Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host. I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week. Therefore, it's another episode. Uh, today, I'm joined by Aaron Starkey of Slow Readers Club. And we have a wonderful chat. Uh, we go in on all the records that have soundtracked Aaron's creative journey to date. Um, some really, really interesting bits and pieces in there. Um, an amazing shout out for the the first record uh, he remembers buying, which gives us a, a brilliant throwback to uh, episode two, right at the very beginning of uh, off the beaten track. Uh, he he chooses the benchmark record, which is uh, which is great. Um, before we get on with the episode, um, big thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. Um, thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. And thanks to Ryan for, for putting this podcast together for us and and, uh, and hooking me up with Aaron. Uh, and, and obviously thanks to the Slow Readers Club um, for, uh, for, for guesting. Um, if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, then when you finish listening to Aaron talking about his record choices, then go and have a look in the archives because... Um, you will find um, you, you'll actually find episodes in there from some of the guests that we we talk about on here, um, and there's over 160 episodes with some of your favourite musicians, actors, comedians, DJs, producers. So go and have a, a rummage in the archives. And if that's not enough, then I do also put out uh, three radio shows each week and video episodes and standalone episodes on uh, Patreon. Um, so you can find out about all of this at offthebeatentrackpodcast.com. Let's get on with uh, today's episode. Please enjoy it off the beaten track podcast with Aaron Starkey of the Slow Readers Club. It's off the beaten track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. And we are recording. Okay, joining me today via the means of Zoom is Aaron Starkey of Slow Readers Club. Hello. Hi, Stu. How are you doing, man? Yeah, well, all right. Thank you. Well, all right. Um, are you up in Manchester at the moment? I'm um, indeed, yeah. I'm in a leafy suburb called Ermston. It's uh, it's quite a boring little town, really, but well, I'm doing it a disservice. It's not but it's not too bad, but uh, I suppose everywhere's a bit boring at the moment. Everywhere's half shut, isn't it? So Yeah. So before we get on to, to chatting records, uh, Aaron, how have, uh, how have you found the last uh, sort of, you know, four or five months as 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 a human and as a creative um i mean obviously it was a bit terrifying at first and i, I suppose it's become normalized a little bit to a degree over over time but um yeah i, I mean it, it actually coincided with the release of our uh last album um 
so like as as lockdown was happening our tour was getting cancelled and in stores were getting cancelled and all that kind of thing so it was a bit of a, a blow in that regard but it just made us a bit think on our feet a bit and um be creative with how we sort of used our time and we did like lockdown versions of our tunes where we each recorded a part our own parts and stitched it together and put that out in the world and that went down really well did some listening parties with Tim Burgess and did a few we've done a few live streams uh, some for like the charity for like the music industry for United We Stream and some for our own purposes you know like we did like done ticketed shows so um, but yeah I mean but mainly we've been writing in that period I mean there's obviously there's only so much we can have control over and the main thing we can have control over is is being able to write, you know. What I mean, it's, we yeah. can't we can't do shows, so or can't do shows with an audience. Um, so it's it's been a great great for that, really. I mean, we started off in March, April time, writing from home, and uh, improved our own studio setups at home so we could record properly and share ideas properly. But it's been good. It's just been a different approach to to making music, and and we've got different tunes out of it. So, and I think we'll keep that. Uh, process as part of what we do as well as jam it I mean ordinarily we jam together and uh, and write in that way but I think because we were writing in isolation different stuff came out or different stu- stuff had more time to um, establish itself if you like because if you're jamming in a room often it all, stuff only gets through if everybody's buzzing in in the moment and it tends to be the more upbeat full on tunes that, that that come to fruition that way I, I think it's um I think it's really interesting. I've I've, I've interviewed quite a few bands um, over lockdown that were you know in the middle of a, a, an album campaign, uh, yeah. and that have done things very similar to what you've done um, a, a, as well. And I think it's it's something that you know you know God forbid we're still here you know this time next year. Um, and and I think when people are then doing campaigns and that next year for for whatever release i think obviously there'll there'll be the you know the 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 standard stuff that bands have always done but i I still think they'll draw from what what's happened in the last five months and and bolt that on to to, you know the 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 idea of like what tim burgess come up with was was just a fucking genius idea like you know and and you know what he's done there was brilliant and and the whole kind of thing of like you know online gigs and things like that i think it's stuff that it, it all of the stuff that's come out of that it's it's just it's punk as fuck, isn't it? It's like it's it's literally right. Okay, well, what do we do? We got to start. You know, we've got to do what we can do with what's at our disposal, and and it's thrown up some some crazy stuff. And and I think that that will will definitely end up getting carried over to post lockdown, sort of. You know. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, people will end up being a bit more creative with the live stream stuff as well, because obviously, um, ordinarily you're on the stage and you need a light show and all that kind of stuff, but there's nothing to say that it has to be presented in that way because you're not, you, there's no audience there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's obviously, you obviously makes sense to do what you've done in the past, but there might be other ways of doing it. I mean, I'm not sort of saying we'll suddenly do thriller or something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Why but, not? Uh, Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I think, you know, there's room for it to be just different, you know, like whether it's an audience with format or a, I don't know, playing in, playing in more unusual places that still have, decent acoustics and all that kind of thing it'll be yeah it'll be interesting i'm sure we'll we'll keep that side on whether the gigs are back or not i would have thought just because it's cool yeah aaron track one song with a great ever intro 
Yeah, that was uh, Arctic Monkeys. You look good on the dance floor. Um, this, I mean, they're a band that just blew me away when they first first arrived, and that like there's so much energy and like so like the drums are so frenetic, and it's sort of it's like a meandering lead guitar part with a sort of decent like like r- rhythm part underneath. Um, that's just a top top tune, and I think they were like lyrically as well. I think is 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 amazing, but. Obviously, I'm not talking about lyrics in the context of an intro, but yeah, I think that was a you know really powerful statement when that that came out. That you know that the band that had arrived and and sounding really unique as well. I don't think there was anybody around that was sounding quite like them. It was uh, exciting stuff. To- totally agree, and 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 just that that little ride. Don't believe the hype before before they just drop into that, you know, that open yeah, yeah. cold. And, and it's got such urgency as well when that song drops. It's like, it's, it's just, it fires along that. And, 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 and I mean, personally, I, I think them first two albums I thought were great. And I'm not, a, I, I, I'm not as into the kind of more rock and roll kind of stuff that they've hmm. grown into, you know. I, I, quite yeah, I don't liked... know whether they've just tried to court the American market a little bit of, Presumably, I don't, I don't really know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm sort of fonder of the earlier stuff. Yeah, totally, especially lyrically as well. I think you know, I'm I'm far more interested in hearing, you know, young lads talking about scrapping with Paul, you know, Paul Q's, you know, wearing their Reeboks and stuff. I, I yeah, you know, yeah. I, I like that. It's yeah. you know, it's it's kind of. It's you know it's, it's what Madness done, it's what the Kinks done, it's that kind of social commentary, and and, and I really like that, and uh, and I think yeah. you know they they absolutely smashed it uh, on 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 that album for sure. Um, Aaron, I'm going to ask you um, in regards to um, intros and and I'm writing for for Slow Readers Club. How much emphasis do you put on an intro, uh, and has the way that you've written over you know the last ten years changed? Changed insofar as um, the way that people listen to music now, as well, in so, you know, insofar in as streaming and, and shazamming like songs, and and just the kind of fact that there's so much distraction from what you're listening to if you're looking at a YouTube or Spotify. Um, I've I've spent two years trying to get this question right, and I still never get it quite right. But do you get where I'm kind of coming yeah, from? Yeah, completely. With it? Yeah, it's it's um, for a band to become someone's favourite band is a very difficult thing these days because it's um, it's such a transitory medium it's like um it just it's available so, you know somebody says oh i've listened to this band you can do so within three four seconds i remember when i was a kid and i you know i'd go and get a new album and i'd get on the bus to go to Walsingham near me and go to the record shop and then read the sleeve notes on the way back and i didn't hear it till i got in and that's a weird it's a completely different experience to how uh, people can experience music now so it's yeah it's a lot harder i mean it's obviously you can be exposed far more widely and instantly than you ever could before as well. So there's a positives to it. But yeah, I think there can be a tendency for people to move on and shuffle or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's quite, a, yeah, because it's, it's difficult, but I, I mean, I don't think, I don't think we're right with that in mind as such. I think we're, um, we're big, big on melodies in the band and whether that's the, the vocal melody or the guitar or synth part or whatever. Um, Sometimes it'll be a, a synth intro. Sometimes it'll be guitar intro. But or sometimes it'll be it'll just kick straight into the vocal. Or there's not really. Yeah, I think I think it's whatever works for that that particular tune really. Um, but I, I, yeah, we've never been. 
rightly or wrongly influenced much by by what's flavour of the month on the radio or yeah. what's uh, what Spotify trends are or yeah. anything like that. It's just I, we just you know what, like what we all like individually, and that comes together to form what we are. I, I do think that question is probably, in, in fairness, more tailored towards kind of, I guess, more kind of pop music insofar as you know the, 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 you know you hear a trend now in so many pop songs where literally starts with a chorus now and it's like you know yeah, yeah. just trying to just hook straight away and you know um well for track two aaron i'm going to ask you the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you um this was um i was quite i was quite fortunate i went to a school called new old green high school and uh in oh this was the junior school actually New Old Green Junior School in, in Woodenshaw. And we had a head teacher who was big into music. He'd sit and play the guitar and they had like a, a a band. He had a big band and stuff like that as well. And he played like Beatles and Bob Dylan and all that kind of thing. And there was another teacher, the deputy head, uh, Mr. Holt, it was, it was his name. And this was one of the songs he used to, he used to sing folk songs mainly. And this was one of them. It was uh, a song called Birmingham Sunday. Um, I think the main famous version is by Joan Baez, but um, it's about, uh, I mean, it's the melody really that was, it, the, it's a melancholy, it's a traditional folk melody from like a Scottish, um, Scottish sort of love, love song, I think. But the lyrics in this version are about uh, the bombing of a Baptist church in America by the Ku Klux Klan. But I think as a kid, I mean, he explained the context of the tune in, in the, you know, he was obviously trying to get that across and say these sort of horrible things go on in the world. But, um, you know, when we would have been, what, nine, ten or something, that's quite sort of heavy stuff to deal with, I suppose. But, it was, I mean, it was cool. But I, I I think I was probably moved mainly by the melody. It's quite melancholy. But, um, but yeah, then, then once you sort of take on, take on board the lyrics and what it's about, Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It often sort of knocks around my head still. Now really? It'll just, pop, it'll, just, it'll just pop in there, yeah, yeah. I'll just be like making a brew or whatever, and, it'll, and the, my missus goes mad at me for sort of singing it. Cause it's just <laughs> it's quite, quite, quite mournful, but uh, yeah, it sort of still kicks around. So that's the one that came to mind. 
Okay, so for track three, while we, we, we're talking about school, it's fitting that I'm going to ask you the song that reminds you of your time at school. Yeah, that one was... Um, I'd, 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 there was a few different ones that were kicking around for that because I had mates with very different... You can, you can have some honourable t- mentions, Aaron. Yeah, you can throw yeah, a few yeah. In okay, there, yeah. My, my honourable mentions will go to... Uh, we used to sp- I used to spend pretty much every weekend at uh, my mate Dave McDonough's house, and he'd have um, stuff... He'd have Roxy Music and... Uh, Beatles and BGS and stuff like that. It was like good pop cheese, if you like, kind of stuff he was into. So and I'd I, 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 I think, um, what was the one that they, um, Slave to Love was a was a track, a Roxy Music track that used to play quite a bit. That one was what that nearly made it as the answer of this to this question. But um, I think I went for what did I go for in the end? There's another friend of mine. He was probably a bit sort of on the cooler end of the of the music spectrum at the time. And he was into Nirvana and stuff, and uh, also Radiohead, and it was uh, High and Dry. Um, but that that album, the Ben's album, that he, he introduced me to to that album at the time. I think I was probably into cheesy rock at that time myself. You know, what I mean, like Bon Jovi or something. But um, yeah, he introduced me to to Radiohead, and High and Dry was like a one of the standout tracks from that album. Where I just thought this is properly cool yeah. music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the one I think. I, I think that that album from you know, I, I guess you know I'm a fair few years uh, older than you, Aaron, and, and obviously when the first album came out, it was around the time of you know all the stuff that was happening stateside, and you know all the attention was was on the likes of you know Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Pumpkins and stuff like that, and then you know fast forward a few years, and I, and I guess probably at, at the at the sort of time of Britpop, really, when every you know it was Blur and Oasis and Suede and things like that, and this record comes out that's just otherworldly, you know. Mm. And I think it was like that. That first album for me just kind of washed over me. It was like you know, Creep was a, a great little single, but yeah, it that album did not have the depth that that Ben's. No, had. no, and then no. Fuck me, that you know that was the beginning of a serious fucking journey into music, you know, and and it was that was the gateway, I think, and, and it's a heavy record to Ben's, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think I think lyrically and uh, and vocally, it's amazing. Some great great guitar on it, but like the falsetto, and I mean, I do a bit of falsetto in, in what we do as well. And it's probably that it, it's probably their influence really that sort of made me explore that side of my voice back in those days, and that sort of stuck around, but. Um, yeah, like fade out street spirit. My, my me and my brother used to play that in the in the house. He's in the band with me. Um, so they, they, they've always been around, and I think obviously he he moved very quickly away from that, didn't he? With the sort of okay computer, and then onto sort of more electronic stuff um, with um, Kid A and all that kind of thing. But and in rainbows, I can't remember the name of the other, the other albums. I was I, I do miss the. Um, the uh, discernible lyrics and uh, <laughs> from from Radiohead's work these days, but uh, yeah, I, I, I did I did love that love that album, and I think it's uh, it's definitely had an influence on on me as a sort of as a as an artist. Definitely, you, you, you mentioned that um, you and your brother, you know, would sit at home and play it and stuff. So, you know, even at a young age, was was you sort of deconstructing music and, and trying to work out how it was put together? I guess so. I mean, I was I was quite happy for it as a kid to just sing other people's tunes, really. And um, I did study music at GCSE, and, and part of that was writing. 
but I didn't. Um, I did a very, very subpar Bon Jovi type tune. I think a German <laughs> music GCSE, but um, writing wise. But I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think I, I, I was always fond of a you know good hooky melody, and really you know as I got older, more interested in um, lyricists that are sort of autobiographical like. Kurt Cobain or John Lennon or something like that, where they were saying something, especially when you're a teenager growing up and this hormones flying around everywhere and you're looking for answers and stuff like that. People that sort of spoke about real life and about emotion and all that kind of stuff, that kind of music really resonated with me. Um, but then, and then, I, you know, I went to, I went to union, did film and stuff like that. The music sat to one side for me for a little bit of time. And then once I graduated, um, and my wife got in a band and Kurt got in a band of his own, my brother. Um, I thought, oh, I'll have a go. So I found uh, the guys in Omerta. They were advertising for a singer in the loop. <laughs> so I joined uh, Omerta, which was the band before yeah. the Slow Ridge Club that me and Jim were in. Uh, but yeah, I said, yeah, but we, I think we'd always, me and my brother had always, my dad was played guitar and sort of both. Um, so we'd always like played stuff like, having seen Back to the Future, played Johnny Be Good and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Or, Elvis, because my dad was into Elvis, and uh, and then as we got older and got more capable on guitar, it was it was like uh, Radiohead and Roses and Beatles and stuff like that. How was um how was school? Do you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean it was um I, I, there was a few people there because I sang and stuff in in concerts and that I got there was a few people that I'd call me gay and stuff like that, so I was a bit of bullying sometimes. But in the, on the whole, I, I I enjoyed it. I was sort of um, from having gone from in junior school, I was sort, sort of a middling, sort of middle middle of the class, sort of academically. And then um, one of my teachers said I needed needed a rocket up my ass. And then by the time I got to secondary school, I was all right. I was doing okay, sort of you know decent enough at both at most things. Um, was you confident yeah, with that? Yeah, I was. I was probably. I mean, I probably invited um, some of the bullying by being a bit too cocky, to be honest. Looking back on it, but um, what about the attention that, that that got you, good and bad? You know, did did you want attention? Uh, probably, yeah. I, th- I think that's pro- uh, the, 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 there's no front man out there that doesn't work, want attention in some degree in it. But I, I, yeah, I, I, I must have done. But I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed singing as a sort of. Uh, as in a release, as you know, even when I wasn't writing tunes, it was like it was a release to sort of get feelings out and all that kind of stuff. It's a quite, a, it's a cool gift to have to be able to to be able to sing and uh, move yourself and move others and all that kind of thing. So it was once I once I felt as though I could do that, I was sort of when there was opportunities there at school and that I'd I'd go and stand up and 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 sing stuff, you know, uh, um, and yeah, it sort of. It, anybody that puts themselves out there will is going to get if they want you know if you're going to get praise then you're going to get criticism yeah. I suppose that's just the way it is yeah totally um first record you remember buying from a record shop <laughs> this is rubbish um but this is this uh, one's is, the uh, one that's always got to be rubbish yeah yeah, yeah no yeah, one's yeah. never try and be cool with this one 
No, it was um, it was Stiltskins inside. Oh, um, mate, that's the benchmark, <laughs> right? The benchmark for this question, right? When everybody says what you said, like, oh, it's a bit embarrassing, it's a bit rubbish. My second ever guest on this podcast was uh, Russell Lissack from Block Party. And he chimed in with Stiltskin. And from then on, when everyone says, it's not very cool, it's like, it ain't got to be cool. Russell from Block Party chose Stiltskin. So you're in good company, Aaron. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. But yeah, it was, I think they were sort of a, a poor man's Nirvana, weren't they? But they were, they were, yeah, it was on a Levi's ad or something when I was mm. a kid. And I suppose um, those were, the, I mean, in those days, those were like one of the, be- you know, a big platform for a, a, a band to, to have. I mean, still, ads still are, obviously, but... Um, it was uh, the exposure that, that 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 track got was ridiculous, really. That's huge. But, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's all right. It's an all right record. Do you know, what? I've not like, listened to it for years, but like I remember, like I mean, I was DJing when it came out, so I, I was playing it in the rock clubs, and it was and it was a huge, like I said, it was a huge number one record. And I do remember the playover was a bit of a rip off of today by the Smashing Pumpkins, if I'm right, yeah, correct. Yeah, poss- yeah, possibly. But do, do you know what the singer does now? No, no. He fronts Genesis now. Does he really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. There you go. Um, you mentioned earlier um, that your dad played guitar and 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 a play Elvis at home. Like, was was there always records on at home growing up? Yeah, big time. I mean, yeah. I mean, my dad played guitar. He busked as well with the guy next door, and he'd sort of busk. Um, sorry, my daughter's just walked in. Uh, he busks, uh, he busks sort of uh, Smith's records and um, what else did he, he, he play? Like, um, what was it? John Denver and stuff like that. He was, he was, and Beatles stuff. It was quite eclectic. That's a hybrid, John Denver and yeah, the yeah. Smiths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I can't remember what John Denver's record. It was like, was it leaving on a jet plane? Oh, that's like, a tune, that is. Yeah. What a yeah. tune. Sort of, they were sort of uh, busker staples, I think. But... Um, and then, but he was a DJ, he'd like done a bit of DJing as well, like, you know, um, so he, he had hits of the day on, you know, like the Duran Duran and um, Yazoo and stuff like that. So like big synthy 80s stuff was always around, which probably isn't surprising for people that know our tunes. But um, well, that's what yeah, I was, was going to say. Was stuff. Did, did, you know, did, we, we, you know, can you sort of track that back? That that kind of that that love of melody because and and, and synth playovers and things like that. Like I, you know, I, I think that that time in music, which sometimes gets kind of a little bit overlooked, like you know the you know just how incredible bands like Duran Duran and, and anything that Vince Clark's ever been in. You know, yeah. um, like the melody in that synth pop era, you know, and the playovers were just fucking incredible. Like, yeah. And you know, can can you, you know, as you write and you hear your, you know, and you're sitting in the studio like listening to your tracks over and over. Can, you know, do you ever sort of like make them yeah. kind of sort of connections to things that you know you was exposed to at that age? Definitely, and I think it's, um, I think it's the same with Jim and everybody else in the band. You know, like when we're when we're um, when we're on the, on the uh, in the band, having between gigs and stuff like that, the kind of stuff that it, you know he used to drive. It used to be his band that was sort of buried us around around, and he so his tunes would be on. You know what I mean? He he decide what we listen to, but he was he's big into his eighties stuff as well, and I think it's a bit of um, a nostalgia, just a childhood nostalgia thing. Remote, you know, looking back to happy times, and uh, it's probably a, a yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's it's it's, it's 
going drawing on on a period that we've you know felt good and um, like a good time in our lives. I think that's that's probably what we've got in common when we when we gravitate to that. I mean, we've moved on a little bit with the latest record. We've put these probably some there's some nineties guitarist stuff. So we're like, what we're going to do is just keep drawing from previous eras. Yeah. Till we till we come come up to modern day, keep us going through five, six, seven albums or whatever. But, uh, well, yeah. You mentioned that your dad was a DJ, and uh, and so for track five, I'm going to ask you the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. Right. Okay. Yeah, I remember what I, I had in mind for this one. I mean, we in Manchester. In Manchester, with the the clubs I went to when I was a kid were indie clubs, really. So there's Forty Second Street, Fifth Ave, the venue, um, Brick House. Um, this was sort of the period I was going with, probably sort of ninety six to two early two thousand two thousand and four. That's when I was proper going out every night kind of thing. But um, I mean, and obviously the big Mancunian tracks were on in in, in that period, sort of behind the resurrection and. Oasis and all that kind of thing, um, but it was. Uh, I'm going to say "Common People" by Pulp because it's um, to me it's one of the best singles of all time. It's an amazing, got amazing story in it. Like lyrically, it's like just brilliant. Um, just a great, great pop record, really. Um, and it, it sort of felt summed up that time. It was always one of those. Just felt top you know like sort of that period 96 97 everything the world seemed to be going in a reasonable direction and it's like the, the opposite <laughs> i mean but I've, I've realized i've got to the age where as well like everybody does like where they go oh it's not like it was in the old days <laughs> you know <it's>, everything, <laughs> everything was better then you know um so i'm conscious of that but uh yeah it just i mean i was like eight 17 18 19 so it's you know just good times i mean I couldn't agree with you any more that it's one of the greatest, if not the greatest pop record ever made. And the full version, it has to be the full version. Yeah, yeah. Because the lyrics to You'll Never Know It Feels to Leave Your Life With No Meaning or Control, you know, and oh, it's just incredible. And I reckon at least every two weeks, I will go and find them performing it i have a glastonbury performance when they slotted in for the roses when the roses pulled out last minute yeah yeah but when they'd done it at reading about 10 years ago when they'd done a comeback and and they play that oh man it's like have you watched the documentary on 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 pulp and common people and how they put that together I have actually yeah yeah yeah. wonderful it's amazing yeah it's like yeah. the layers in that record like every time you can still hear new bits in it it's it's yeah. euphoric right i'll just yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that. I watched that Glastonbury performance as well because that, that was one of the good things about um, the the lockdown. I suppose there, there aren't many good things, but we got our greatest hits of Glastonbury, didn't we? <laughs> mm. Which was pretty cool. And I'd not seen that set before, and I was like, that is just just great. And he's a brilliant frontman as well, Jarvis. Like he's like really physical, and you know, like there's a it's just wit come comes through him, doesn't it? It's just top. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, 
I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Okay, for track six. Favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Right, okay. Um, Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now by The Smiths. Um, they're a bit, they're one of my brother, mine and my brother's in particular favourite favorite bands. Um, I had a friend growing up, Rob, Rob Allen, who was like absolutely idolised them. I remember going in the uh, pub once and we got chatting about music before I'd really got into them, although my dad had played them, played them at home. And I remember sort of uh, dismissing them as miserable <laughs> and it nearly floored him. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, you need to sort of get, in, get into it more. And then uh, I think he gave me Queen is Dead. And I, and I just, that record, me and, me and my, now my wife, uh, um, absolutely just had it on repeat for ages. Um, but yeah, that's a good, just a, it's a good example of, of one of their, you know, their great, I could have picked any, a lot of different Smith songs to be honest, but Heaven Knows I'm Miserable now is a, is, there's a lot of the character of the Smiths in the title. <laughs> um, it's just, yeah, I think lyrically and, and Mars Guitar, and and you know Morris's lyrics and vocals just I mean obviously all the band are, are amazing but uh, I, I think, in particular I, and and I do think um, that that the the credit should always go to uh, Andy and Mike as well you know I, I think you know as as a band like some of them bass lines are just yeah off the scale and don't get me wrong you know Johnny Morris the coolest man on the planet but you know, the Smiths were a four-piece, and I think, like, I do feel sorry for them sometimes. I think them two boys get kind of, you know, pushed in the shadows a little bit, and I, I think, you know, and, 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 and the drums as well, you know, it's it's not flamboyant, but it's the Smiths. It makes the Smiths yeah, what yeah, they totally, are. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. and I'm a I'm a I'm a obsessive. You know, I'm I'm smothered in Smiths tattoos, uh, <laughs> and and I have to ask this to any other Smiths fan, like. Um, how have you found um, in recent times with some of the stuff that's come out of Morris's mouth as a as a as a Smiths fan? You know, can you separate you know the man f- from the art? Um, <coughs> I mean, it, there was there was sort of early rumblings, wasn't there, when he sort of uh, there were years back when he sort of I think he did I can't remember what festival it was, but he was sort of draped in the Union Jack. And I was, he did I was at that. National Front Disco and stuff. That was supporting Madness at Finsbury Park in, in I think, 92. I was at that show. Yeah. He didn't play yeah. the next day. He pulled out because he, got, oh, he really? got bottled and coined. And it was quite a, a weird thing. There was literally me and about another six people at the front sort of like desperately right. trying to sort of grab a gladiola. But uh, everybody, right. <laughs> everybody else was not feeling Morrissey that day. It was, um, yeah. And I think he, yeah, yeah strange. I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop now. My um my tutor at uni was Linda Sterling. It was his like uh, best mate. You know what I mean? Like when when he wrote Cemetery Gates and used to meet it was it was her that he met at the Cemetery wow. Gates kind of thing. She was she fronted fronted Ludus and and stuff back in the day. Um, but yeah, she was one of his great friends, and I remember speaking to her about it because I I was curious to know what what his politics were because it was it was always a bit, but she was. She wouldn't say that he was he was racist necessarily, but you know she was sort of wouldn't say that he wasn't if you know if you know what I mean. Yeah. So that it was it was um, 
I sort of had rumblings that it that it was that way inclined back then. But I mean, it's it's mainstream popular culture now as well. I mean, it's, I've I've got many many people on my Facebook that uh, that come out with. <laughs> stuff that isn't yep. you know did much different to what Morrissey says so yep. it's like a, I kind of exclude and but they don't have they, they are not devoid of redeeming characteristics because of that yeah either do you know what I mean people like uh, and and people would find my politics you know objectionable I'm sure I'd, you know it's just it, it's just uh, it's a uh, um uh it's a difficult one separating the sort of the art from the um the it, it comes up so often and and because so yeah. many people mention the smiths and 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 so many people mention michael jackson and so you know yeah, it, yeah. i mean they're very separate things that you know both are accused of doing but it is just that thing that you know both of these artists music is just ingrained in our you know in our everyday lives and it's like can you listen to them records and and disassociate yourself from you know some of the the things that have come from you know their actions and uh yeah you know it's uh you know i, I you know i could not not listen to the smiths you know i'm i can put no, michael I'm... jackson over there but yeah the, the, the smiths is just yeah it's weird he's a strange one man yeah yeah i think i think he's um yeah i don't agree with i don't agree with him but it's uh, but I, and it seems some somehow sort of contrary to his this sort of outsider um, narrative in his in his lyrics, you know, back back in the day, it sort of uh, something doesn't quite add up. But I don't know. It is. I think, but it's the same. But the same with Jacko. I'm, I, I I still listen to Michael Jackson, and I, I, he was never sort of he was never proved in a court yeah, of law or yeah. anything. But um, but uh, I don't know. It's the, I mean, Elvis. Yeah, Yeah, Elvis was a bit a big hero. We have this discussion in the band actually, but I think you know Priscilla was was young, wasn't yeah. she, when they when they first got together? It's uh, but I don't know. Bill Wyman, Rolling Stones. It's yeah. like yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, it's endless. So uh, yeah, okay. Um, well, you get to play DJ now and uh, and 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 play a record and, and turn someone onto something uh, new because this is uh, the final track, Aaron. It's a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Yeah, um, I mean, there'll be a fair amount of people that probably heard this when it was out, it was out there, but um, it's a song that was on the This Is England soundtrack. I think it was the series rather than the movie, um, and it's just a really beautiful melancholy. Um, solo acoustic kind of track um, it's a song called Dogwood Blossom by Fionn Regan it's a beautiful record it's a stunning record like, yeah. like um, when when I got the list of your songs sent over and I saw that it was one of them moments I thought you know what I've not listened to that for a couple of years I need to go and listen to that now and it it really delivers that it's a beautiful beautiful record isn't it yeah yeah I don't know if I was I, can't, I think the scene was obviously quite a yeah, it's heavy. It's heavy going in it. This, this, this is England, really. Do you know what I mean? It was quite. I can't remember the scene, but it was. I remember being quite a heavy emotional, emo, emotional scene. I've not seen it for some years, but I didn't know whether I'd sort of carried the, the emotion of it had been carried by the context, if you know what I mean. Or yeah, of course. As a, as a, as a, as a piece in its own right, whether it has it, but it's just beautiful. Yeah, the, 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 there's a line in it that says, "Darling, darling, the, the dam's going to give." It's inevitable the way that you live. That's a top, yeah. top line. Um, yeah. 
Nice record. Siren, as um, it appears there's a light at the end of this lockdown tunnel and uh, and hopefully you know, a, a, a normality will resume soon. What are you? Uh, what have you got coming up, and what are you looking forward to? Um, yeah, well, we've got a, we've, like we've been writing in uh, in uh, the early part of this year when the lockdown happened, so we've got a lockdown record out in October. We just released a single today, actually, as well. Um, and then March, April next year, we've got our rescheduled shows that were actually originally from March April this year. We got rescheduled to the end of the year and then pushed out into next year. Uh, we're going out to the UK and Europe, and then um, I'm sure there'll be some festivals and stuff like that, maybe some outdoor shows and stuff. Um, but yeah, we're just sort of like everybody else, waiting to see it all develop. And I'm encouraged by the fact that there's been some socially distanced out- outdoor shows that seem to have gone well. So I'm sure the, the touring will happen in some form, form or another next year. It's just when you're sort of dealing with lots of different countries and stuff like that, and we really want to get out to the, to America as well um, at some point. So I just want, you know, we're just sort of keeping our fingers crossed like everybody else and yeah. hoping the world gets back on its feet. Absolutely. And for people that want to keep up to speed with what's going on, where's the best place to go and find out what's uh, what's going uh, on? We're, we're really active on on Facebook. So it's facebook.com forward slash the Slow Readers Club. Um, but obviously you can find us on Instagram. Um, yeah, Twitter and our website is theslowreadersclub.co.uk but yeah come and say hello if you, um, if you like what I've chosen and it makes you intrigued as to, well, we put to together, what our tunes are like yeah. we, we do put together a Spotify playlist to accompany this podcast as well so people can right, go and cool. listen to uh, all your choices and some of the other records right. we've, uh, we've spoke about so uh, we'll give everyone a reason to go and listen to Steel Skin there and, uh, <laughs> um, awesome. uh, Aaron, thanks so much for your time today, mate. It's been a real pleasure talking awesome. cheers, records Jim. with you. And, uh, Thank you. And cheers, mate. Best of luck with a single. And, uh, and cheers, mate. Yeah. See you all soon. Thanks for having me on. Nice oh, one, mate. Pleasure, mate. Take it easy, mate. There you have it, Aaron Starkey of the Slow Readers Club. Go and check him out if you've uh, if you're if you're new to the band, um, and if you're not new to the band, then uh, well, just go and uh, in, enjoy the, the the fruits of their labour. Um, thanks, Lowe Aaron, for giving up his time and and chatting today on Off the Beat and Track podcast. Um, wonderful chat, some amazing song choices. I'm always happy to talk about Steel Skin, and uh, it's. Uh, it's it's the benchmark chat. It really is. When uh, anybody tries to be cool, that's two people that have picked that now. So you know, if Slow Readers Club and Block Party choose it, then there you have it. You know, no one wants to try and be cool when it comes to that. And and that's one of the things that I really like about this podcast is just people's honesty. You know, nobody's ever going in trying to be super cool and uh, you know saying that they were listening to Can when they were like seven. You know, it's uh, everybody's sort of just being honest and, 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 you know, opening up about their lives and their creative journeys. And it's, you know, it's a real privilege to, to sit opposite these people and, and chew the fat with them. Um, I'm back next time. In the meantime, um, if you want to go and have a look in the archives um, or check out the merch or check out the Patreon, it's all over at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. I'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing, www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. 
So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairware Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.